Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. encounter God. Then the second step in our process is equip, and that means that we none of us have arrived, none of us are as mature and discipled as we should be, and so together we are learning, getting to know what God wants us to know. And then finally, the thing that we're going to begin talking here in about two weeks is about being engaged in our culture, reaching out. So how many of you know that it is extremely important to be equipped? Right? If you're not equipped, you're going to be in trouble. So we, talk, we started talking about this whole idea of finding and discovering what you're good for. Uh, we said very early on that some of us have had people look at us and say, you're good for nothing. And, and we've talked about the steps that would allow us to find our destiny. We said that as a body, we want to find our destiny corporately because there is no individual purpose without corporate purpose. We've got to know what we're good for. And we went into David's story, and his men are described as misfits. You can go read it in the Message Bible, and it says they were misfits. And, and we said that they changed that because they rallied around a common goal. They rallied around each other. They were willing to fight, and they trusted leaders. And so because of that, God turned them into mighty warriors and mighty men of God. And I said, we've got to do that to become a body of destiny, a, a people that understand our purpose. But then we said, it's not enough for you to, for us corporately to know our purpose unless you also individually know your purpose. And we began to talk about Abishai. Now, I've told you several things about Abishai. The first one I told you is that his name means the father of a gift, right? And so we talked about pursuing the whisper because his father whispered over him, your name is Abishai, and set him on a course or a path trying to find his destiny. And I told you some lessons about pursuing your gift. The first one is you've got to hear the right voice, right? You've got to tune into the right whisper. God is saying over you, you are an Abishai. You do have a gift. You do have a purpose. God's got a plan for you. You are not a misfit where God doesn't have any plans for you. He's always had a plan for you. Hear that again. He's always had a plan for you. And so you've got to pursue that. And then I said the second thing about pursuing the whisper, I said that you've got to try to give your gift. On at least three or four different occasions, uh, Abishai tried to give his gift. He didn't wait on anybody to ask him. He just jumped right in there and said, let me give my gift, let me give my gift, let me give my gift. He tried over and over and over again. And, and then last week I told you that not only did Abishai pursue the whisper, he knew how to manage the whisper. Because I told you last week that the third principle that you need to learn was this. You've got to ask before you strike. Because what we've got to learn is timing. And so every time Abishai got ready to give his gift, he would ask permission. And we talked about a little bit about spiritual authority. And, and I told you that we've got to come to the place where we learn timing from those around us that are over us in the faith and that help us to manage the call of God on our life. Uh, and, and so then I told you, and, and I said this to you, and I want you to remember this, that a refusal doesn't necessarily mean it's not your gift. It may just mean it's not your time. And I want you to remember that. If somebody says, no, now's not the time, they're not saying, no, that's not your gift. They're just helping you learn timing. Then I told you that in, in this uh, managing the whisper, whisper that Abishai prepared. For 30 years we lose track of him except for the fact that we discover that he killed 300 men by himself. He was promoted to David's captain. He led a charge that killed 18,000 soldiers. He was busy. And so I encourage you that during this moment in your life where you may not know what God has for you and you're still trying to determine and figure it out until it's the right time, prepare. In the quiet time, prepare. You remember the quote that I said? It was, I think, one of the most powerful quotes. It says, if you fail to prepare for your chance, your chance will only make you look ridiculous. 
right? And so your day, your day is coming. The moment is coming when God is going to step in and say, it's your time to give your gift. And if you don't prepare, you will look foolish. You'll fall right on your face and you'll hurt a lot of other people in the process. So we've got to manage the whisper. But this morning I want us to deal and talk about the conclusion of Abishai's story, which is the culmination of the whisper. And I want you to listen very carefully. This is my favorite part of the whole story, and I'm going to give you a portion of Scripture. I'm not going to read it to you this morning because it's only two verses. I'm going to say, tell you in my, my own terms out of the little book I've been writing for, I don't know how long now, that one of these days I'm going to fin- finish when it's my time, I guess. I don't know. But I'm going to finish it. But the, the text that we find all this in, the culmination of the whisper, is Second Samuel chapter 21, verses 15 through 17 and I want you to write that down if it's not in your notes so that you can go back and read it in your version of of scripture that you're carrying with you and make sure I'm telling the truth but this is what happened we're going to finish the story this morning this was not new year after year decade after decade Philistines waged war against Israel David was not caught off guard he was accustomed to these battles and just as as he had done so many times before he dressed for war he had fought when he was young and the excitement of the clash of swords and sound of charging horses had caused him to walk with a spring in his step fear sprinkled with anxiety sweat from strain but also from the constant threat of death he lives for these moments he had been favored by God and had always tasted the sweet savor of victory So, this seemed like any other year. David's servants helped him strap on his kingly armor. He took up his royal sword and joined his valiant warriors on the battlefield. When he walked confidently to the front lines, a thunderous cheer erupted from his troops. They were all there. Joab, Benaiah, Asahel, and of course, Abishai. David and his mighty men gathered for battle again. Each year, the result was the same. David and his mighty men walked away victors. This year, the pattern continued. Swords came together. Arrows were launched. Spears were thrust. Men fell. Philistine men. Confusion, discouragement, and horror overcame the Philistines as they realized that defeat would be theirs once again. The retreat began. Men turned and fled for their lives as David's army, tasting the familiar taste of victory, gave chase. And therein lies the difference. David was no longer young. Closing in on his 60th birthday, David still had the mind and determination of a much younger man. Adrenaline rushed through his veins as he watched his men cut a path through enemy ranks. It was that same adrenaline that drove him to pursue the defeated and fleeing Philistines. He strained to catch up to them only to be ensnared by his age. Exhausted, overcome by weariness, and overtaken by 60-year-old stamina, David could go no further. He was so tired that he actually laid down on the battlefield to catch his breath. However, a defeated army can be a deadly army. Tongue hanging out, chest heaving, heart pounding, waiting to regain strength, limbs weak from exertion, unable to move. David is helpless, unguarded, unprotected, and most importantly, unaware. His eyes stinging from sweat and clouded by fatigue. David fails to see him, and he was not easy to miss. He was not used to being overlooked. He stood out. His name caused fear. He was Ishbai Banab. His size stirred awe. He was a giant. 
His spearhead, weighing in at seven and a half pounds, complemented his great size. He carried a new sword, perhaps engraved with one word, revenge. The giant of a man towered over the weary king. He raised his sword, ready to avenge the shame and embarrassment that David had brought on his family. This old king was responsible for the death of Ishbibonob's older brother, Goliath. Once a giant killer, David is now simply an old, worn-out king. He braces for the impact of the blade. He readies himself for the taste of his own blood. He tries to speak, but he cannot find the words. No words were needed. They had already been spoken. Years before, repeated in the dark, the words were whispered. The whisper heard nightly by a little boy now comes to a giant killing culmination. Your name is Abishai, the father of a gift. Where did he come from? Doesn't really matter. What matters is he got there in time. Abishai steps between his fallen king and the giant. The giant had prepared for this moment. The sword was swung, one parried, one lunged. The blade cut deep. The blood flew, a gasp, a groan. The man staggers, he swears, he stumbles, he falls. He was prepared for this moment, but he was not prepared for Abishai. Ishbibinab was larger and stronger than any ordinary man, but Abishai was no ordinary man. For years this man had long desired and prepared to give his gift. This man was a man of destiny. He was the father of a gift. David was spared. Kings are men too, and no one is indispensable. Years of opportunity to make a difference missed? No permission granted? Only to save a king who was coming to the close of his reign? Was the gift wasted? David's men would balk at that suggestion. Joab, A.C. Hell, and the others rush onto the scene to find an embarrassed but thankful king. Their brows are wrinkled and concerned and then washed by relief as they listen intently as David replays each moment of the brief but brutal fight won by Abishai. David's men instantly come to a unanimous conclusion. David will no longer join them on the battlefield. His fighting days are over. David protests, but the men insist. Abishai has saved the light of Israel, and this light will not be risked again. What difference did the whisper make? What difference did the gift make? David's death would have had catastrophic consequences. Not until later did David make the rulings necessary for Solomon to succeed him as king. Solomon was not the next in line for the throne. The gift mattered to the prophesied lineage. However, the most important implication was that David had not shared with Solomon his plans to construct the house for God. The temple that David had dreamed of, planned for, and saved for would have been lost forever. Abishai's gift saved the place of worship God had entrusted to a king named David. What began as a whisper resounds as a prophetic declaration of destiny. Abishai, the father of a gift. That's the end of the story. Lessons that we've learned. Hear the whisper again. Second lesson we learned, constantly try to give your gift. Third lesson we learned, ask before you strike. Fourth lesson we learned, prepare during the hidden times. Let me finish the lessons for you this morning. The first one is this, be decisive. We can learn from Abishai that there comes a moment in our life where we have to be decisive. I'm tired of meeting people who will never make any decision and who will never make a move. 
Some of you know what your gift is. Some of you have been preparing your gift for decades. Some of you have been preparing your gift for years. Some of you have been preparing your gift for months. And a moment will come when God will step in and say, it's your time. And at that moment, you must be decisive. You cannot wait. Notice for me, if you will, that in every other instance that I've read to you over the last three weeks, that Abishai always asked permission first until this day he didn't have to ask permission. Why? He had learned the art and the skill of timing. He had submitted to spiritual authority. We think spiritual authority puts us in bondage, but I got news for you. Spiritual authority doesn't put you in bondage. It teaches you the how and the when. And when the time came, he didn't have to say, David, do you want me to fight the, the giant for you? Do you want me to kill Ishbi but not for you? He didn't even have to ask. He just stepped in and he killed the giant. I am declaring to you this morning that some of you need to make up your mind. You know what your gift is. You've been preparing for a long time. You've been warming a pew for too long. It's time for you to make up your mind and do something and become decisive and become Johnny on the spot. I find way too many people who are sitting out on the sidelines waiting on, I don't know what they're waiting on. They've been waiting forever. It's time for you to jump in and get busy. The second lesson out of this portion I would teach you is this. There are battles that you cannot win by yourself. Abishai's interception of the giant teaches us that there are times that we need some help. It doesn't matter if you're the king or not. It doesn't matter how many victories you've won in your past and how many battles you've been victorious in in your past. There will come a moment where you will need some help. It doesn't matter how much of a man of faith and power that you are. It doesn't matter if you glow when you walk through the room. It doesn't matter if everybody falls out under the power of God when you walk by them and your shadow comes across them. It doesn't really matter. The truth is there are moments in our life where we need help. All of us need somebody to come along. See, too many of us act tough all the time. I got this together, man. Everything around me is going wrong. My life's falling apart, but I won't show anybody that I'm hurting. I'm going to just act like I'm, I'm tough. I can handle this. I'm a big boy. Big boys don't cry, and I'm not going to let anybody know that I'm hurting. And we go through and we struggle, and we continue to be defeated because we continue to refuse to let anybody help us. This lesson, this story teaches us that God will send people into our lives who will help us defeat the giants in our lives. In fact, some of you are sitting next to your Abishai right now. Hear me. You need to see with spiritual eyes. I, I know they look goofy now, but come on, look at them a second time because some of them, uh, even though you don't see it in the outside and you can't figure it out in the natural realm, supernaturally God has positioned them next to you because they are an Abishai. The gift that they have within them is to come alongside of you and help you fight. Some of you are sitting next to your Abishai. They are destined and purposed by God to help you, but unless you are willing to allow them into the fight, hear me, Unless you are willing to allow them into the fight, they cannot give their gifts and you will be defeated and they will be frustrated. Some of you act real tough. I know, some of, I know most of you, I guess, by now. And some of you act really tough. Come on now. We said in the very first service we were going to be transparent. Some of you act like you got it together and never have never had a bad day in your life. And every morning you get up, your hair is always perfect. But I want to tell you something. Some of us have some bad days and some of us have some struggles in our life that are really difficult. And we just need an Abishai to come along and fight for us. I don't know about you, but I need some Abishais. Amen. We need Abishais. The third lesson we learn is this. We have to focus on the right giant. Hear me very carefully. 
I'm getting ready to bust some of your bubbles right now. Your gift may not be for you. Well, you don't understand, Steve. I can sing better than anybody else, so my gift must be all about me so I can get up here on the stage. If they would just let me on this stage, I could sing my heart out and everybody would sit there in amazement. I'm so good. at Or I could play an instrument. Man, if they just move over and let me play, I could astound every week. My gift is for me. It's about me promoting me. It's about me getting what's mine. It's about me getting the favor. It's about me. Listen, God gives us, a lot of times gives you gifts that have nothing to do with you. We've got to focus on the right giant. Our gift may not be to promote us. We're too selfish. We're too self-centered. We, we think only about us. And Abishai teaches us, hear me carefully, that the giant you are destined to kill may not be your own. He waited all these years to kill a giant. It wasn't even his giant. It was somebody else's giant. So God may be giving you a gift that has nothing to do with you, and most likely it is a gift that has nothing to do with you. It's all about the people that he's positioning you to help. So we've got to get focused on the right giant. Some of you are trying to give your gift, uh, and, and you're fighting the wrong things. You're spending all your energy and all your effort and all your time and all of your prayer and all of your fasting on you. When the reality is this morning that some of you uh, have a gift that God has entrusted to you to rescue someone else from their giant. Now, rest assured, there's a principle here you need to, to learn. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Right? If you will kill somebody else's giant, you'll come alongside and fight for somebody else. God will position somebody next to you to fight for you. You won't be by yourself. You won't waste your gift and say, well, now I have no energy left. Now I can't even take care of my own battles, my own issues, my own struggles. I'm all, I'm all defenseless now. No, God will. If you make something happen for somebody, God will set up and say, look, he did that. She did that. Now I will bring somebody else with a gift and position them to help them. Don't waste your gift on yourself when God is destining you to to help somebody else fight their giant. If you focus on the right giant, somebody else's giant will fall. But trust me, your giant will fall too. And then the the most important lesson that I want to teach you out of this whole story, and it's where I'm going to end this morning, is this. Lesson number eight out of Abishai's life, life. Your gift matters. See, too many of us underestimate the importance of our gift. Too many of us have allowed the enemy to come into our life and convince us that our gift really has no bearing on the body and that the body wouldn't really miss our gift if we don't give it. If I don't do what God has called me to do, that's all right because God's a big God and he'll bring somebody else along and they'll do it. And most likely he would because he is God. But the reality is, is that your gift is important. And if your gift is not given, it causes issues in the body. Scripture teaches us out of Abishai's life that if Abishai had not stepped by between Ishbib and Ab and David at that moment and killed that giant, hear me very carefully, carefully what would have happened. David would have died and Solomon would have not been the next king. The lineage was set up. There had been a prophesied lineage. Abishai's gift reaches down through generations and from generation to generation to generation until finally a little baby is born in a manger. See, too many of us underestimate the importance of our gift. 
Too many of us have allowed the enemy to come into our life and convince us that our gift really has no bearing on the body and that the body wouldn't really miss our gift if we don't give it. If I don't do what God has called me to do, that's all right because God's a big God and he'll bring somebody else along and they'll do it. And most likely he would because he is God. But the reality is, is that your gift is important. And if your gift is not given, it causes issues in the body. Scripture teaches us out of Abishai's life that if Abishai had not stepped by, between Ishbib and Ab and David at that moment and killed that giant, hear me very carefully, carefully what would have happened. David would have died and Solomon would have not been the next king. That lineage was set up. There had been a prophesied lineage. Abishai's gift reaches down through generations and from generation to generation to generation until finally a little baby is born in a manger. I want that to sink in. Your gift is important. The, the, the role that you play in the body is important because if you are not willing to fulfill the purpose and plan and destiny of God in your life, it could impact your great, 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 great grandchildren. But it also has immediate results because if you don't give your gift now, there are immediate results. For instance, your gift may be to preach to thousands. Your, gifts, your gift may be to sing to millions. Your gift may be to win neighborhoods. Your gift may be to influence a city. Or your gift may be to take out the trash after Sunday service. Or it could be to carry out the dirty diapers left over from the nursery. Or it could be to straighten the chairs after we do service. Or it could be to hang out with the fifth grade boys. Hear me. There's a truth in here I want you to hear very carefully. Learn this this morning. Here it is. The scope of your gift or the size of your gift has no bearing on its importance or significance. Here's the lesson. Every gift is equally important even if every gift isn't equally celebrated. Are you with me this morning? Paul teaches us that we're going to go into some of his writings here in just a second, but I want to hear you this, hear me this morning. It doesn't matter if you're the janitor in the building or if you're the guy up here holding the microphone. Your gift is still just as important. And if you don't give your gift, we fall short. It, it's not as important what your role is as it is that you fill your role. I've discovered that most churches are full of people trying to be something they aren't. Hear me this morning. We need you to give your gift. Paul teaches us some really valuable lessons. See, our dilemma is that we like to brag about our gifts. That's our biggest issue. We want to compare gifts. If I play the drums and, and, and I'm sitting in the building and Mike is playing on a Sunday morning, we naturally, it's the carnal part of us, I sit there and go, well, I could have done a better lick there right there. Right th yep, he missed one. Right, I heard him. Mike, I heard you miss it. I, I know you were supposed to hit the snare and you hit the tom. I knew it. And We compare our gifts. If I'm the usher, I, I start uh, a few weeks of ushering, and I think I got it down to an art, I'll start looking at all the other ushers and go, man, if they do it like I did it, we'd get more offering in the bucket. I know. I, if they just let me, we start comparing our gifts. Don't look at me like you've never done that. I know you do it. I know singers do it all the time. I know preachers do it all the time. Boy, if he'd have said it just like this and used this phrase and used this verse of Scripture, it would have been more effective. We do it. It's natural. We do it, but it's wrong. We got to have every gift in, in the exact the way, way God has given it to. He, he tells us this in Ephesians chapter four verse sixteen it says, "From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by which every joint supplieth." Every joint is important. 
according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Listen, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. In other words, every gift makes the body increase. You take out one gift, the body doesn't increase. Then he goes on in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, and he says it this way. He says, in this way we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. I've discovered that most churches are full of people trying to be something they aren't. Abishai fulfilled what his father had said about him. And in that moment when he fulfilled what his dad said, it nullified what everybody else had ever said. Because who are you? Who are you? Abishai fulfilled what his father had said about him. And in that moment when he fulfilled what his dad said, it nullified what everybody else had ever said. Because who are you? Who are you? Because who are you? Who are you? I want us to do it this way this morning. I know in this building right now, I can look around and pick you out. There are people who know what their gift is. They've prepared their gift. They've been giving their gift. They've faithfully served in so many different kinds of roles. And your gift is so important and we're thankful. But there are also some of you I can pick out and say, you know what? They have no clue. It causes you to struggle. It causes pain in your life. You feel totally frustrated because you have no idea what God has called you to do. And even though we've spent four weeks on teaching you how to find your gift, see, you can wrap up Abishai's story in three words. Are you ready? Discover, develop, deploy. That's the steps. You discover what your gift is, you develop that gift, and you deploy that gift. But some of you are standing here this morning, and you're going, I still don't have a clue what my gift is. And you're frustrated. How many of you know it's frustrating to know you're here on purpose but have no clue what the purpose is? one of the most frustrating places to be in life and you will do some stupid stuff until you figure out your purpose I don't think God wants you to play hide and seek with him he's not interested in hide and seek and he's not playing hide and seek with you he wants you to have a clear understanding of what you're designed and purposed for we say Steve you talking to college kids no I know adults that are 50 and 60 years old that still have no clue why they're here. They think, well, I'm making good money. I've got my bank account full. They drive a nice car. But in the reality, when they go to bed at night and they lay their head down on the pillow, they're still going, why am I here? I don't want you to leave that way this morning. I want you to have a clear understanding of what God is saying. Father, search the hearts of your people. God, there are people in this room right now that have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Begged and begged and begged and begged and asked and asked, wanting to know, why am I here? And yet they still flounder, and it seems like they can find no solutions. 
they feel frustrated and discouraged. God, I pray you'd speak to us today. Father, before we move on, I just pray that you'd touch those that already know what their gift is, that are preparing their gift. God, I pray that you'd allow them to be decisive. I pray that they would step up and they would step right in the middle of the fight and they would win victories. God, I pray that we would fight other people's battles, not our own. We wouldn't waste our gift on ourselves all the time, but we would focus on the right gift or the right giant and understand that our gift has been given to us to rescue somebody else. Help us, oh God, to come alongside our brothers and sisters. There are folks in this room that need an Abishai in their life. Help us, oh God, to do that in Jesus' name. If you're here and you say, Steve, I want to know what my purpose is. I honestly want to know what my purpose is. I'm tired of trying this and trying that and and I can't seem to figure it out and I'm discouraged and I'm frustrated and I'm going through life. I'm I'm okay, but but I just can't seem to figure out what my purpose is. And I want to end this series this morning by finding out what I'm good for. If that's you, quickly, I want you to step step out of your chair and come and find a place to stand right here. We're going to pray over you. Is there one? I need to know what you have for me, oh God. Yeah. Anybody else? Come on, we got some honest folks. You got to be honest. Can't, hey, Abishai teaches us there are giants in our lives. We can't always beat by ourselves. You got to let somebody else into the fight. Anybody else? I'm going to wait one more moment. You're here and you say, Steve, I'm frustrated this morning. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, I'm doing my best. I, I, I'm trying to train. I'm trying to prepare. But the truth is I still am not really sure what he's got for me. Let me tell you who I need. I need some folks who know what God has purposed them to do in their life. I need some folks that are sure right now that, than, than you've ever been that God has called me to do this. Maybe it's to be a businessman. Maybe it's to be a business lady. Maybe it's to be a doctor, lawyer, whatever. Not just preachers. This is not a thing about being called in to, pre- to preach. This is about being called by God to accomplish His purpose and plan for our life. If you know what God has purposed and destined you for, then I want you to step out and get behind these folks right now. Quickly move, 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 move. We're going to pray this morning. Those of you that came up to pray that that said, I'm not sure, I want you to listen to me very carefully. God is not trying to hide it from you. You gotta, you got to come to that place in your mind where you understand God is not trying to hide His plan and purpose from me. And secondly, you need to understand this. The Scripture teaches us that His sheep know His voice. you got to tune to the right whisper again. He wants to tell you this morning. He wants to give you an answer this morning. Listen to Him carefully. Come on, folks, help me pray. Get your hands on them. I'm going to walk past them and, and lay hands on them and pray, but I need you to be praying too. Tune your ears into the right whisper this morning. Those of you that are still standing, would you join me in prayer this morning and ask God to bring, listen, we need to ask God to bring clarity to them. How many of you know a lot of voices bring confusion, but if we can tune into the right voice, it can bring clarity, right? Let's ask God right now to speak in that still, small voice that He is able to speak in. Father, we are so thankful. So thankful that your plans for us are good that you have no plans to harm us that your plans for us are to prosper us to grow us, to mature us Father we pray as a body that you would bring clarity into our lives
that corporately we would have clarity. We would know what we're good for. We would find our niche. We would find our place. That thing that makes us unique and different from everybody else and that people would be drawn to that uniqueness in us. And Father, I pray for individuals in this room that Holy Spirit right now, the the portions of Scripture that you brought to my mind as I was bringing, uh, as I was praying over these individuals, God, I pray them over each individual in the house that you would teach us once again that you order the steps of righteous men and women. We can trust you. You'll take us the right way at the right time. Father, you've taught us that we we should not lean in on, on our own understanding because your ways are not our ways and your thoughts are not our thoughts. They're higher than ours. Help us to think your thoughts, your ways. And Father, you also reminded me that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So God, I pray over my people today that you would bring stability in our lives, that we would be single-minded single-purposed, single-focused. God, our, all of our attention, all of our energy would be around one thing. We wouldn't be a jack-of-all-trades. We wouldn't be scattered. We wouldn't be tossed to and fro. God, we would have a single-minded determination and focus, oh God, so that we will be stable. I come against wishy-washiness and up and down and in and out. Stabilize our walk as we walk with you towards what we're good for. God, one last time, as this series comes to a close, I speak over over my people. Your gift is important. You're an Abishai. Don't ever miss the whisper. You're an Abishai. You're the father of a gift. We need you. God, I pray you keep your hand on us this week. God, I pray that throughout this week we would begin to see glimpses, just small glimpses of breakthrough. And as, as I illustrated in the music this morning, God, I pray that it would begin to grow and would begin to grow and would begin to grow so that when we get together next week, we would have a symphony of breakthrough in our lives. It would be a crescendo of miracles, a crescendo of breakout, a crescendo of provision. God, it would be ear-splitting in its volume, oh God, that it would be so loud when we get together that, that you're doing great things in us. Father, we determine in our hearts this morning that this is about you. It's not about my gift getting me noticed. It's about you. And so we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. We applaud the gifts that you've given to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's your assignment this morning as you're dismissed. Find somebody. Maybe it is a singer. Maybe it is a person playing an instrument. Maybe it's one of the unseen gifts. Like some of you don't have children in the nursery. Some of you don't have children in the children's church. But you know what? You can worship better because they're in there. So why don't you stop by and find one of our nursery workers and say, you know what? Thank you so much for your gift. Why don't you find Angie Fultz sitting back there running PowerPoint so that you can follow along? Or why don't you find Danny back there or one of our comm center people or one of our welcome center people and look at them square in the eye and say, you know what? Your gift matters to me. Your gift matters to me, and you're dismissed. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday. 
It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. Passion.